Praise God. God bless you. you. may be seated. I give honor to our pastor. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Don't take any time that I'm here on this platform at this pulpit for granted. Now, this is not an elephant, but it's about as big as one. So um, I'm going to get to this, but I couldn't really hide it behind the pulpit so you couldn't see it and bring it out like a cool show later. I'm going to get to this, okay? So don't think that I forgot about it. I couldn't forget about that, right? Um, so I was walking in and, and someone asked me if I was speaking tonight. And I said, yeah. And they said, we couldn't get Brother Jury. <laughs> and then I walked around here and then someone said, oh, you're speaking. And then they went walking back out the door. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. If you feel like you need to leave, you, you, you're welcome to, and you can feel bad for it. I love y'all. So tonight, we're going to take a, a different approach to this, this service, and I just want to talk to you from my heart. Is that okay? And um, devotion has become a major part of my life and a part of my family's life. And you, you hear a lot of people say, well, you know, my kids, I can't get them to read their Bible and pray and, and devotion with the family. That's not happening. Uh, either they have homework or they're too busy or something happens. Something's always getting in the way. And you know what? All of those things are right. Um, if you allow things to interrupt your life in a fashion where you can't control it at all, whose fault is that? We need to have some control of our life and our schedule that we don't leave God out of it at home. Amen? Now, we have a church full of people here tonight preaching to the choir. Some, I understand that. You're dedicated. You're here on a Wednesday night. You worked hard today, and now you're here worshiping. Thank you for that. Give yourselves a hand for that. There's a lot of people that don't make that sacrifice. Um, but family devotion has become very important. And I think that we need to make sure that family devotion is a part of our families at home in some way. Um, Monday nights are our family night at home. I'm going to give some personal examples. And I want to preface anything that I say is we don't have the perfect family. We're not perfect people just trying to do the right thing and live for the Lord. Amen? And so, so don't think that I'm saying that we do everything right. Um, but we do try very, very hard, as I'm sure you do. So we started Bible devotions on, Wednesday, on Monday nights, and, and even our six-year-old, when it's time to do devotion, he's running to the steps, hollering downstairs, it's time to start devotion. He's pulling the Bibles out, and he's getting the books or whatever we're doing for that evening it's very important. It's become a part of the culture of our family. So just by the show of hands, I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, but by the show of hand, who does like a regular, when I say regular, not like once a quarter, but maybe like a weekly Bible study or devotion at home? Thank you. So for those who raise their hand, it's not always easy to make sure that happens but once you make a habit, and I, and I want to apologize to our hyphen. You've heard a lot of this before, but thank you. 
And so you can just relive all of this and, you know, you're really getting it. Maybe God wanted you to hear this again. Brother Brandon, hyphen, need to hear this again. So, make it an important part of your time. We all understand that to make a habit, usually 21 days will make a habit, right? So we got the personal devotion, and then we have the family devotion. But first, I want to talk about family devotion. And um, a part, like a guide to family devotion and how we live our lives. And I've got some points that I want to bring to you uh, tonight. And, and we can add to that. We can discuss it. You can discuss this with your family in further detail. But there are some points in our life that we need to take. And this is not a doctrine. You need to put everything else aside that we ever learned. That, that's not, this is just a supplement in your devotion to your family. So I'm going to go point by point. The first point that I would like to talk about tonight is fasting. Everybody say fasting. That was exciting. You know, every time that I have fasted, I get hungry without fear. Now, I understand that one of the greatest attributes of fasting is that it brings focus to your life, correct? Would you agree with that? When you start fasting, it brings focus to your life. I am telling you, I am focused. When I, I can smell barbecue 23 miles away. I'm focusing on everything that looks like it may taste good. I may not even, I may even think coconut looks good. No, not really. I become clearly focused when I fast. No, but I, I joke and I tease, but in all actuality, when we fast, when we bring this body under subjection, all of a sudden the things of this world grow dimmer and the things of God grow brighter. So if we could put up that first scripture for me, Mark 9, 29, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. So I've been asked before, is, is fasting a command? So if I never fast, am I going to go to hell? Brother Jerry and I were talking about this, and the first comment is, well, Jesus said when you fast, not if you fast, or, but when you fast. So that leads me to believe that we should fast. And we understand that fasting, um, they're doing all kind of intermittent fasting and fasting for your health. And, and it's turned out that fasting is one of the best things that you can do for your body health-wise. I believe that God knew that, correct? Physically, but mentally, it can clear you up. It can clear your mind. It can make you focus on things that have become blurry or dimmed in your vision, in your spiritual vision. So this lesson is not completely about fasting, and probably you have a lot of study on fasting. There are books about fasting. It's a huge, enormous topic. But for the sake of tonight, we need to make fasting a habit in our life. We need to make sure that it's a, a, at least a weekly habit in our life. Because let me tell you this, if you don't fast, there are going to be victories you will never win. If you don't fast, there are going to be struggles that you will always struggle with. If you don't win, there are going to be those victories that never come to pass. If you don't win, those struggles will never go away. We must fast. We must bring this physical body to subjection 
and let it know who's the boss, and that's the Lord. Amen? We must fast. The second point that I would like to bring to you is adoration. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. When we think about adoration, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. You shall love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. So we need not to forget we serve this great big God. And if we're going to adore him and have full adoration, we need to continually praise the Lord. In everything that we do, we need to give the Lord praise. We need to start our day out with praise. When we hit our feet on the floor, we need to be thanking God and praising him continually. We need to adore him in our actions, in our thoughts, in our responses, what we say, our facial expressions. For those who are around us, they need to see Jesus in me. And when I adore the Lord, then he pours his blessings back out upon me. I need to praise him continually. I adore my wife. And we have so many relationships that begin to become severed because you don't adore your spouse any longer. If it's a nonchalant, I love you, you too, you too. It doesn't even get the I love you too, you too. There's no connection. We must adore our spouse. I see some nudges. That's a good thing. If, if you're not married, you need to adore the Lord with all of your heart. When you're married, you need to adore the Lord with all of your heart. These are simple reminders. Adoration, fully, continually, the fruits of my lips need to be praising the Lord. I don't need to walk around. It doesn't mean that bad things are not going to happen. That's not what I'm saying. But you know what? When bad things happen, we need to praise the Lord. When good things happen, we need to praise the Lord. The fruits of my lips need to be given honor and glory to the Lord. I need to adore the Lord. He's a great big God who created us. I adore Jesus Christ, and I need to make that known unto all. The next point is confession. 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Church, we need to be quick to confess. When there's sin in our life, we need to confess it. We need to get that sin out of our life. And in so many counseling sessions, and, and you have this topic of confession and, and what I need to do, and, and okay, get me on a program to get out of this sin. No, you need to stop that sin. We need to confess the sin, and we need to stop the sin. It doesn't need to be a process to get out of that sin. Okay, all right, Brother Brad, give me, can I have like three months to quit that sin? No, no, you no, no, you don't have three months to quit that sin. You need to sever it. If there's an infection and there needs to be an amputation, 
You don't, you don't just tourniquet it. There's still life there. You need to sever it. You need to amputate that sin from your life. Whatever that sin may be, it's going to get hold of you. And there is life if you don't amputate it, if you don't get rid of it completely, if you don't take it completely out of your life, you don't play around with it, you don't leave it sitting over there to turn around, look around, go walk around. No, you get rid of it completely. Amen? We need to amputate sin from our life. It has no place. We need to be godly individuals. We need to be spiritual and as we heard Brother Shock one, one year because of the time, we don't need to apologize for being spiritual. You know, it's okay. I stopped saying, well, I don't want to be spiritual when I make this point. You know, I do want to be spiritual. And I'm going to make this point. We don't need to have sin in our life. It doesn't mean that we're perfect and that we're not going to sin. But we need to be quick to ask God to forgive us and not continually walk back down that same road because we've kept that sin alive in our life. It's still there. I've hidden it away when nobody knows about it. It's that secret place in my heart. I'm going to just take that sin and I'm going to push it over there. And, and if nobody knows that I'm doing it, is it really the biggest sin that it was when they did know? So I'm just, I'm, I'm, there's still a little bit of life to that sin. We've got to amputate it. We've got to cut it off. We've got to take it out of our lives. We've got to put it behind us and never walk through that road again. We've got to keep it away. The next point is thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks in everything. We need to live with gratefulness in everything that we do. When we get up in the morning, just like our adoration, we need to be thankful. And like Brother John uh, said back at Thanksgiving time, what if the, the only things you had today is what you thanked God for yesterday? And I know that that's, that's a, something that's been going around. And I, when I saw it, it changed my life. And now in the mornings when Ezra and I, we go to school, we're thanking God for everything. And, and I looked at him this week, and we were driving to school, and he's holding my hand, and we're praying. And he said, Jesus, thank you for the sun shining and the birds singing. We thank God for everything. He said, this is Ezra, six years old. He said, thank you, God, that all the trucks cranked up this morning. And thank you that we don't have any water leaks in the house. We pray for everything, and we thank God for everything. I've been walking alone, almost had an accident and said, thank you, Jesus, that that didn't happen. Thank you, Lord, I didn't hit my bald head. It's going to scar it up. We need to thank God in everything we do. We need to be grateful. You know, these are things that we just kind of let slip in our life. And, and personally, I've, I've allowed that to happen in my life where I'm, I'm not fasting like I should and I'm not adoring Jesus Christ like I should and, and I'm not confessing my sins and getting rid of it like I should or, or I'm not being thankful like I should. And so it's a reminder, church, that we need to make these things very important in our life. The next point is supplication. It's not just what we're asking, but it's how we're asking. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock 
and it shall be opened unto you. When we use the word supplication, we need to think about how we ask. We're continually asking God for things, right? How many asked, you can't even remember everything you asked God for today? I can't. But we continue to ask, but we need to be very specific in our prayers. I thought it was neat. Tonight I walked in and an individual came to me and said, Brother Brad, I just want to tell you something we've been praying with them about. And, and, and this miracle took place in, in their life. And, and they said, you know what? We were very specific in our prayers. And God answered exactly what we needed. And, and I said, you know what? We're going to be talking about that a little bit tonight. Supplication. There are times that we need to get desperate in what we're asking the Lord for. And, and not just the same posture. Maybe, you know, there's all different ways that we pray. Some pray walking around. Some pray kneeling down. Some, some people pray in a swing. Some people uh, walk down the road. Some, some take their steps and they're praying. And all of those are fine. But there are times when we need to get desperate when we pray to the Lord. There are times that we need to find ourselves on our knees, prostrate before the Lord, putting our face down in desperateness, asking God to meet that specific need and being very specific when we say those prayers. We need to be earnest. We need to be humbled in our spirit and be specific. And God will answer those prayers to, according to his will. Amen? We need supplication in our life. So, we have fasting. We have adoration. We have confession. We have thanksgiving. And we have supplication. When we bring these characteristics, these attributes into our, our families, into our life, and Dana and I have practiced this, uh, it wasn't too long ago I heard Brother Tom Foster talking about spiritual disciplines and, and bringing these points up. And, and I, we put it to work in our life. We put this to work in, in the Thane family because we don't need to skip over or, or take detours around the, the parts of our family devotion that we need to make important. And, and we need to have that consistent walk with God. Now, if we look back into 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we talked a little bit about this in prime timers a few weeks ago. And I thought it was great. Now, I was reading through in, in, in a personal devotion, and we have King Jehoshaphat. And the story goes to tell us in, in chapter 20 that there were three armies that came against Judah. And we read through there, the first thing that Jehoshaphat does is he calls all of Judah to a fast. The first thing. Not some, but all of Judah. Now, the enemy was against them and there was no time to prepare to fight. And then the Bible says Jehoshaphat put his face to the ground, prostrate. He was desperate, supplication. And then the next thing it says that uh, the, the husbands with their wives and children came out and they began to praise the Lord, adoration. And then the next thing that happens, they looked out and the Lord had sent ambushments against all of these armies 
and they were completely destroyed. Now, if you read a little bit further in chapter 20, the enemy that was out to kill Judah and and destroy it, the Bible says not one escaped from death. And then it took Judah three days to gather all of the plunder. Now, what enemy comes to fight with that much plunder, with that much treasure? The one who they're fighting with has been fasting and praising and, and, and adoration before the Lord. Because, isn't it amazing when you add these attributes to your life, it could be your enemy that brings your greatest blessing. The Lord will allow that to happen. So this formula in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, they fasted. They prayed in supplication. After they prayed with complete supplication and made their desperate need known unto God, then they stood and they praised adoration unto God. We need to put this formula in our lives. If we have our prayer lives that has this formula and our devotion and all of a sudden our prayer life is meeting what's coming across the pulpit from our pastor and you have this uniting that we're receiving what our pastor is preaching because he's hearing it from the Lord, there is a wonderful cycle of spiritual blessing that is right around the corner. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? If we get in tune, if we're fasting, if we're adoring, if we're confessing our sin and keep our life right, if we're in supplication with the Lord and we're completely thanksgiving, we're in tune with what's coming across the pulpit and we're positive. And then all of a sudden, the joy of the Lord becomes my strength. The joy of the Lord becomes my strength it seems that bad happeneth to us all correct who has a perfect life probably not anyone but when we get these things right in our life then God will pour out his blessings because we're focused And when we focus on the Lord, then the things of the world will fall away. I think that it's completely reciprocal relationship. The more we focus on the Lord, the less that we're focused on worldly things. The more we become focused on worldly things, the less we are focused on the things of the Lord. It makes perfect sense. And so we have to have these in this personal devotion in our life. When I was 16 years old, I had a challenge from my mom to do a personal devotion. To get up every morning, like an hour before I would normally get up for school. I was not happy about that. But I cannot hardly stand a challenge. I'm going to take it. And so, I took this challenge. And I put the Bible beside my bed and and I would read it and I would leave it actually opened with a, with a bookmark there. And I made a promise to the Lord 
that I would not let my eyes closed until I did a devotion. You make a promise to the Lord and see what happens in your life. And so since that age, personal devotion has been a part of my life. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but this means a whole lot to me. It means a whole lot to my family. And, and I can ask my kids at any time, you've been reading your Bible? Yes, sir. You've been praying? Yes, sir. Your personal devotion? Yes, sir. And then we have our family devotion. But about 19 years ago, Sister Margaret, remember Brother Morris building these swings? And I was... Brother Jerry. I thought he was setting me up before church. And I started to say that Dana and I bought one of those swings, but I think Morris gave it to me. And it's a swing about like this, and it's on our front porch. And in that swing, thousands of personal devotions have taken place. Every morning, You'll find Brad Fain sitting in that swing early in the morning doing my devotion, praying. Praying for my family. Praying for my church. Praying for my job. Praying for my pastor. I feel a little emotional and I I don't apologize for that. But Brother Johnston said, you need to tell your story. But I want to say to you tonight, you need to find your swing. Wherever the comfortable place is for you to have a deep personal devotion with the Lord, undisturbed, uninhibited where you can say anything that you want to to the Lord you need to find that place if you've been in any counseling session that I've been a part of I've asked you about your personal devotion because I know the power of that personal relationship with Jesus Christ beyond what we learn at church beyond what we learn in group settings, that personal walk with God is that foundation, that cornerstone, Brother John's, that no one can tear down. No one can take that away from you. No one can misconstrue that in your heart. Find your swing. Wherever you do your personal devotion, make it a comfortable place. Make it a place that's yours. And God will visit you there. I remember being a young teenager. And I talked to Sister Steinman. I don't know if you even remember this, Sister Steinman. I was talking to her about hearing the voice of God. And I told her something, and there was a witness of God, and she said, that was God speaking to you. 
And she said, now, remember what that feels like. And when you feel that again, you pray to that end that the Lord speaks to you. I know what it feels like when the Lord speaks to me. I've never heard an audible voice. But God talks to me. God speaks to my heart. It's a still small voice. It's personal devotion that has built that. It's, it's the elders in my life. It's my parents. Sister Smith. Sister Lewis. Teachers who I had when I was a kid that I can still look at today and see them living for the Lord because they have personal devotion in their life. Now I could speak on this for hours on end because this is the overflow. This is a part of my life. If you musicians can come please. But I want us as a church, as we're focusing this month on families, to add this to your life. It's an incredible supplement. Fasting. Adoration. Confession. Thanksgiving. And supplication. Facts, when you have those five things in your life, your walk with God is going to become stronger than you ever thought that it could be. And I'm speaking personally about this. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And to abide in his presence is joyful. There's something about being in the presence of the Lord. You can't replicate that. There's something about being in the presence of the Lord even when you're all alone. You can feel like the Lord just reaches down and wraps his arms around you. I love this church. Started teaching Sunday school when I was 14 at this church. I've had the opportunity to work at this church and volunteer for 30 years. I'm thankful for that. What are you building? What legacy are you building in your life? Mom, Dad, what are you teaching your children on the day-to-day consistently? Where are the priorities? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Where are your hearts? Where are your children's hearts? God has blessed us with a wonderful place to worship with a man of God who loves us now let's do our part let's 
make our personal devotion and our family devotion all that it can be. I challenge you. Become accountable to someone. We did a 21-day challenge with a hyphen group. And I text a young man 21 days in a row. Probably drove him crazy. But as I, as I text him and prayed for him every single day, there was an incredible amount of love that built in my heart for him. And after the 21 days was over, continued praying for him. And unsolicited, he has told me about fasting and praying and things are going good. He's a good, good young man anyway before this started. But God has blessed his life. Become accountable to someone. Make your devotion pure. Make it happen. Make it intentional. Make your walk with God intentional. Find your swing. Let's pray all together. Lord Jesus. God, right now, we thank you, Lord, for all the blessings in our life. Thank you, God, that you allow us to fill your spirit and to be in your presence. God, I want to make it to heaven. I want my family to be in heaven. I want my church family to be in heaven. I want to be joyful and I want to be grateful. I want to be positive. I want to uplift people, God. I don't want to bring people down. But when I'm strengthened by you, I'm filled with joy. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I thank you, Lord. For that front porch suite that has changed my life. I pray, God, that every family finds their swing. God, that we grab a hold with our hearts and our minds, with our souls. So that when the word is brought forth, we're in focus. We're in one mind and one accord. And it's a reciprocal relationship. And you bring the blessing, you let the blessings fall down. But thank you, God, right now. In Jesus' name. They're going to begin to sing. Let's just stand and let's gather around this altar for a few moments tonight. Had a million things going through my mind today about tonight and only a man 
infallible. But I hope that I've said something tonight to, to touch your heart, to give you a jump start, not just to be emotional. We do something, we make a change in our families for the good. And I know there are a lot of families that are doing this thing that I'm talking about tonight. Find somebody, become accountable. Fast, adore, confess. Thanksgiving, supplication. Let's all pray together as they begin to sing.